Lord Jesus, we are thankful for this opportunity to uh, be in your word. And Lord, we ask that you would help us this evening, help me to speak your words, help all of us here to receive from you. Lord, give people divine ideas that will help others and give them the courage to share. And Lord, use all of your people, use the, your kingdom, use your church to help grow your church. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, the title I think is on the wall behind me. We are in a, a summer series in Proverbs. No, my phone number. If anybody doesn't have my phone number, there you go. It's, it's there. By the way, if you text in, include your name so that I know who you are. The title is Speech. All right? So we're in a summer series on Proverbs, and tonight we're focusing on Proverbs that have to do with our speech. But before we get there, I'm sure you're all aware that there are many different versions of the Bible, right? Shout one out. Tell me a, a version of the Bible. Okay, so the KJV, Rodney says, uh, that's the King James Version. What was this one? The ESV, the English Standard Version, yes? The Amplified, right? The NIV, the New International Version. Okay, so there are a bunch of them, right? How many people have heard of the ASV? You know what that is? The American Standard Version. How about the CEB? Misha's going to like raise her hand for all of these. The Common English Bible. How about the HCSB? Yes, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. How about the NMV? <laughs> Not the New Mexican version. The New Messianic version. Um, how about this one? I'm sure you all did your morning devotions with this one. The DRC 1752. <laughs> That is the, I'm not sure I'm not pronouncing it right. It's the Douay Rhymes Chalonet Revision of 1752, all right? So there are so many versions of the Bible, but I bet you haven't heard of the JRR version, and that's because I just invented it this week, okay? JRR is my initials, Jason Robert Rummel. I mean no disrespect to the Word of God when I say this, uh, you guys know that I care about God's Word very, very much. I'm just trying to make a point. So I want to read you three excerpts from the JRR version of the Bible. All right? So check it out. This is Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, JRR version. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So far, so good, right? And God drew a picture of light, and there was light. Okay, here's another excerpt. This is from, uh, we're going to go to the next one, Brian, Acts 7-6. This is when uh, Stephen is about to be martyred, and he's preaching to the people who are about to stone him to death, and he's talking about the people of Israel and how, they, how the Lord uh, communicated to them that they were going to be uh, enslaved in a foreign country. And it says this in verse 6 of chapter 7 in, in the JRR version. And God made a claymation video to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others who would enslave them and afflict them 400 years. Something doesn't quite sound right about that, right? And one last one, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 in the JRR version. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God taught gymnastics to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he taught, has taught gymnastics to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. What's my point? My point is that God is infinitely creative. He's infinitely powerful. He is all-knowing. And he could have communicated himself to us in any way that he chose. He could have done any of those things. He didn't. What he did instead was he chose words. And so when we think about any of those ridiculous examples I just put up there, <clears throat> we think, how could he possibly communicate to us in that way? And that's because we are people who, because we're made in the image of God, we communicate primarily the same way that he communicates, and that is through the spoken word. But imagine, imagine if God's 
way of communicating primarily was through interpretive dance. Then we would be people made in his image who would be able to understand and communicate through interpretive dance and thank the Lord that he didn't do that because what would be happening right now is I would be up here communicating to you this message through interpretive dance instead of words. But he uses words. He's a God of words. He spoke things into existence. He makes covenants by speaking. He called Abraham with words. He spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He sent prophets, and I don't know how he did it, but he gave them very specific messages from him to them and then commanded them to speak his words. Then there was a long time of silence, which is important to take note when you're talking about a God who communicates with words. There's this long time of silence until finally the arrival of Jesus. And in Hebrews 1, that that scripture we just read, although we read it in the wrong version, it makes it clear that, that God the Father spoke through his Son and he said all that he needed to say in the person and work of Jesus. So God is a God who speaks. Well, what does this have to do with a series on Proverbs, right? If God is a God who speaks as his primary way of communication, and if we have been made in his image, then we should be very careful, very cognizant, very aware of how we speak. What we speak and what we say should be very important to us, okay? I, um, we should be a people who are marked by excellence in speech. And I was in Lowe's yesterday, and um, Hugo and I were in Lowe's, and we started talking to a guy who happened to be acquaintances with our next-door neighbor, Jim. And uh, it was interesting because he said of Jim, uh, Jim is the kind of guy who, who knows a whole lot, but you would never know it because he doesn't, he doesn't say it that much. He doesn't boast about how much he knows. I thought, I want to be like Jim. Like, and he said, I think he said, when Jim has something to say, you should listen because it's important. But that's, that's the kind of people we, we ought to be. We should be marked by excellence in speech. And Proverbs gives us insight into how to do that. It gives us a lot, a lot of insight into what we should do with our mouths. Does anybody know how many Proverbs there are? In Pro- there are 31 chapters. How many individual Proverbs? Now, to be fair, this is not like an exact number because people count them differently. Some people count just like every verse, take all the chapters, add up all the verses. Some people like take the verses and if they say almost the same thing, they count that as the same proverb. Okay, anybody want to take a guess? How many? 1,188, that's a good guess. That's what I would have guessed. It's under 1,000. And I'm going with the number that I saw come up most frequently. Anybody else? One more shout out. Give me a number. You're not too, thank you. 659. 659, and I think that's because there are a lot of verses in Proverbs, but the first couple chapters are kind of like uh, narrative in, instruction, and then you get into these individual Proverbs. 659, and that's, you know, that is what it is. It's, a, it's kind of cool to know that. But here's what blows my mind. Almost 25% of that 659 have to do with the way we speak, what we do with our mouths, all right? I went through, and I'm sure you've all done this, but I used like a Bible app where you can search words, and I searched speaks and speaking and speech and tongue and mouth and lips and utter and utterances, and slander, and silence, because that's part of it, and whispering, and answering, and everything I could think of that had anything to do with what we do with our mouths, and it came up to almost 25% of that 659. All right? That's amazing. And that doesn't even count. I didn't count the things that were kind of like iffy, like if, if it was talking about belittling 
or scoffing or something about a messenger. Those are probably things that people would do with their mouths. They have to do with the way we use your mouth. But since there was, it wasn't like totally 100% clear, I didn't, I didn't count it. But there are a lot of Proverbs about what we, what we do with our mouths and how we speak, okay? Now, a lot of people would consider Proverbs to be like advice for living successfully, and that would be true in a, in a way. Uh, advice for being wise, strategies to honor God. In, and specifically in this message tonight, in how we speak. And all of that is true because those things happen as we, as we kind of meditate on the Proverbs and, and soak in them. Like I was thinking about this as a uh, kind of like a, a pickle, right? A pickle starts out as a cucumber. It's something, it's like this thing, but you put it in a jar with the correct liquids and the correct spices, and it sits in there and soaks and saturates until it becomes something else. I mean, it's still like a cucumber, but it's, we wouldn't call it that anymore. It becomes something else. So the Proverbs are like that as we meditate on them and we chew on them and we mutter them to ourselves, because that's what meditate actually means is to just like mutter to yourself. Um, they, they soak into us and they, they help us to honor God and be wise and be successful. But there's, there's a lot more to it because something happens anytime we're engaging with God's word, including the Proverbs. So check this out. This is, this is James 3, verse 3 through 5. And I promise we're getting to the Proverbs. This is just like set up. James 3, verses 3 through 5 says this. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So is this talking about boasting, like we should not boast? No. It's talking about, if we, if we think of that rudder, if we think of that rudder, it's a very small part of the ship. And if that rudder could speak, it could boast that even though it's very small, it holds power over the entire ship. So think about the ship. There's wind and waves. If you've ever been to the ocean, you know it's like immensely powerful. And there's this tiny little rudder that controls that entire ship through all of that power. So in a way, the rudder is very powerful. And the same thing uh, with a bit. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been on a horse, but a bit is probably not much bigger than this, right? For those of you who maybe know more than I do. A bit is the little metal piece that fits in the horse's mouth, right? And a horse is a big animal, but you can control that entire animal with something this big. The same way with your tongue, all right? Our bodies have lots of parts. The tongue is just a small part. But James says, it is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. But here's my question, and think about this, and shout out answers, because we're not to the point where we're passing around microphones quite yet. Do you notice anything that is common to all three of those examples that James talks about? The, the bit in the horse's mouth, the rudder on the ship, and the tongue. Do you notice anything that's common to all three? They're small, that's true. They're controlled by something else, okay? The bit does not make decisions to steer the horse. The rider makes the decisions, controls the bit, and the horse goes. The rudder does not make any decisions about where the boat goes. There's a pilot that turns a wheel, that turns the rudder, that turns the ship. And the same thing with your tongue. Your tongue does not just go on its own, right? It goes when we tell it to, when our brains tell it to speak. And it's still powerful, like that rudder and like the bit in the horse's mouth, but it is controlled by us. Well, what controls it? If we control the tongue, what part of us controls the tongue? Well, check this out. 
This is Jesus speaking. In Luke 6, 45, he says, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. That is where our, that's what our tongue is tied to, our heart, okay? Now, we've said this before in different messages here, that when the scriptures talk about the heart, they're not talking about the physical pump in our chests. We, because we have a greater understanding of medical science, know that like our brain is like more of the decision-making thing in our body. But when the scriptures talk about heart, it's talking about like the whole of our being. Yeah. Yes. What? And I think we'll see that when we look into Proverbs. So our, our, our tongue is connected to that heart. So when the scriptures talk about heart, they're talking about like the whole of our being, our brain, our emotions, our will, all of that stuff goes into the heart. And what Jesus said was out of the abundance, out of the overflow of that heart, the mouth speaks. So when we're, if we're going to talk about Proverbs that deal with speech, we can't approach it like it's a self-help book. You know what I mean? Like Proverbs can't be just a bunch of interesting quips to help us live better, right? This is not, Proverbs is not the your best life now of the Bible, right? Okay, it's got to be, if we're talking about improving our speech to honor God and approaching the Proverbs to do that, we have to realize that the, the Proverbs are the Word of God, and the Word of God changes our hearts. That is what is necessary to, cha- to, to ha- improve our speech, all right? Good speech is an issue of our heart condition. And that brings us back to the fact that God is a God who speaks. He's given us His words, and His words are the only thing in all of existence that can change a human heart. They are living and active, and they they change us when we, when we approach them, and, and they affect us, okay? Um, there's this great moment. It's actually also in John, oh no, this is John 6, not Luke 6. There's this great moment in John 6 where, you're probably familiar with it, where Jesus is teaching, and he says this crazy thing. Like, he's done all these miracles, and he's got all these followers, and he said all these amazing things, but then he kind of like crosses the line into weirdness, and he says, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And people are like, whoa, that's just too crazy. And, and he starts to lose followers. And he says in verse 67 of John 6, he says to his disciples, the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. All right, so these are the words of eternal life. I want to give you just a little more intro, just one little more thing um, having to do with like setting this up before we get into the Proverbs. And then I'm going to ask you for feedback. So this would be a great time if, if the Lord's giving you any thoughts, grab a microphone, get Rodney or Adam's attention or something. Here's the last thing. Uh, Brian, we're going to look at Proverbs 15, 7. This is proof from the Proverbs that this is a heart issue, okay? And it's not just like strategies. Proof from the Proverbs themselves that Proverbs aren't just a strategy for good living. It says this, Proverbs 15, 7, the lips of the wise 
spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. Do you see how they do that? See how the, the comparison is? They take lips on one side, what you do with your mouth on one side, and they talk about the wise, and they talk about the heart on the other side, and it's this comparison, and those two things work in the comparison because they're so connected. The heart is what's at the issue. And be, if the heart is a certain way, if the heart is wise, then the lips of the wise will spread knowledge. The lips of the fool can't, all right, because they're full, because their heart is not in it, so to speak. Does that make sense? All right, so before we jump into the actual uh, categories of different proverbs about the way we speak, anybody want to add anything, anything strike a nerve, anybody see uh, anything stand out like in this difference between Scripture affecting the heart and just being like head knowledge that we that we deal with and anyone? Michelle? When you're talking about um, how the bit, you know, the, about the bit and the, the rudder and things like that, um, yeah. I heard a teaching um, one time about how, you know, if that that is so big and those small things can control such a big thing. Um, I listened to a lot of Joyce Myers and a lot of her teachings, and she made the comment one time, you know, about how our tongue is so difficult. It's such a small thing, and we have such a difficult time controlling it. But if your pastor comes to the door, you know, you're in the house behind the door, and, you know, she makes comments about putting on a church face, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, you're in the house, and you're with your spouse, your children, and you're having an argument. But the doorbell rings, and it's your pastor. All of a sudden, you're real disciplined with your mouth and your language. You know, we can control our mouth in certain situations, and then in other situations when no one, supposedly we think no one's looking, we don't control ourselves. But there's always an audience of one. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And it's all Almighty God. He's always looking at us. And it's about having integrity at all times. Yep. We need to know that no matter where we are, if we're in the bathroom and we're speaking out loud and we something, it's not a slip. We know what we're saying. We know what we're doing because that's where I'm at right now. Like I'm trying to be, you know, I always say, I was talking about a vir being a virtuous woman, Proverbs 31. Mm -hmm. And I'm really trying to fit that mold in my, at this mm -hmm. stage of my life. I really strive for that. And my mouth is, I'm a feisty Italian woman. I have Irish, Italian, and Cherokee Indian in me. So I, I do have a temper. So I want to be more, especially disciplined with my mouth, because I, you know, the older you get sometimes, you have less of a filter. <laughs> so I want to be more disciplined with my mouth. So and not always say what I think, because it's not proper. It's not proper as a Christian, and as a mature Christian woman especially. Right, so we're going we're gonna to get into some of those specifics. Two things I wanted to say, actually, about that, about what you, one thing about what you just said and one thing about the scripture I mentioned earlier. One is, I hear you, my, my mom is watching right now and so she may not love to know this, but when I was in high school, my mouth was not as clean as my mother would have guessed that it was. And what amazed me, this might be a surprise to her, I don't know if she knows this, but what amazed me was how I could turn it off. You know, like it surprised me that I never got caught stumbling at home saying things I shouldn't say because somehow I could like live in these two different worlds, you know? So there is like some sort of control. But that doesn't change the fact that this, as we, as we soak in the word and our heart changes, that's going to be what comes out of our mouth. The other thing too is about the bit and the rudder and the tongue. Some people take that, scripture way too far okay and and i think we need to just mention that before we even get to the proverbs some people will say we'll take that scripture and say you can speak into existence all kinds of things and we can't go down that road but that's not true all right god is sovereign over all things and our mouth does direct our lives there are consequences that that come from the good things that we say and the not so good things that we say and in that way, it directs our lives. But we're not 
using our tongue to like over sovereign God. You know what I mean? He still has sovereignty over everything. All right. So let's get into this. On your paper, we have five categories that I'm going to talk about. Um, and here's, here's what they are. If you're, if you're at home, you don't have these on paper, but you'll see it on your screen. So maybe jot them down real fast. Uh, here's what we're going to do. It says, because God's word changes our hearts, and then we've got five categories. Our speech can bring life and wholeness. Our speech can be guarded with humility. Our speech can be honest. Our speech can be righteous and gentle. And we can choose not to speak. We can choose not to speak. That's my favorite one. Okay? So here's what we'll do for each one of these. I have took each of these categories and I pulled out three Proverbs to just illustrate the point. I'll talk a little bit about each one and then I'll pause and give you guys a chance to reflect out loud if you want to, but you don't have to, but I hope you do. Okay, so the first one is Proverbs 10, 11. This is in the category of because God's word changes our hearts, our speech can bring life and wholeness. Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So it's pretty obvious why it fits in that category. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. But think about, think about this setup here. Like Proverbs are a lot like this. They, they, have a, they have a comparison kind of on the first half. In this case, it's the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. That's the comparison. They have a comparison on the second half. The mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And then you put the two together and you get this contrast between the wise and the fool or the, or the righteous and the wicked. So it's kind of like this double comparison with a contrast. And look how they do this. On the first half, I say they, but this is Solomon. The fountain, a fountain is an obvious thing. All right, you walk into a room with a fountain, you're going to notice it, right? The fountain has a purpose. It's, it's, atten it's your attention is drawn to it. It's meant to be beautiful, right? Not every fountain is beautiful. I've seen some pretty ugly fountains. But for the, for the purpose of our conversation, a fountain is like something that is supposed to be lovely. And, and in this picture, we get the mouth of the righteous being this beautiful, lovely thing, this fountain. And not just a fountain, but it's a fountain of life. On the other side of that, you get the mouth of the wicked that is not only violent, but it is concealed. You know, it's violent. That's violence that's not, I mean, that would be bad enough, but it's deceitful violence. It's hidden violence. It's violence that has an ulterior motive that they're trying to conceal. So when we're thinking about Proverbs bringing us life and wholeness, don't we so much want to be the one who, when we speak, our, our, our speech is a fountain of life? All right, let's move on to the next one. Proverbs 12, 14. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. So the implication here in this one, where our speech can bring us life and wholeness, a the implication here is that the fruit of the person's mouth is good fruit. It would, be, it would be incorrect, and I think it's kind of obvious. We wouldn't want to say, well, just any fruit of any of our speech is going to satisfy us with good. Good fruit, right? Like just what we said before. Um, the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. So good fruit produces a good return and the work of a man's hand come back, comes back to him. Does that remind anyone of, of another part of Scripture in the New Testament? Does that sound familiar? And then jump out. Well, we're going to go back to Luke 6. Okay, we've got a couple of things from Luke 6 tonight, but Jesus said, give. I don't have this on the wall, but you know this. Give, and it will be given to you good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 
It's the same principle. It's the same principle, that fruit of your mouth that is coming out in Proverbs 12, 14 is going to satisfy you with good. All right, so in Proverbs 12, 14, we see that our speech can bring us life and wholeness. And finally, the third one in this category, this one's an interesting one. Proverbs 17, 10. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Well, what does that have to do with life and wholeness? Well, first of all, we don't like it, but we all need discipline many times in our lives, many more times than we would probably prefer, okay? Uh, Scriptures say nobody enjoys discipline when it's happening, but it produces a good fruit, right? So the rebuke, which is something that happens with the mouth, goes deeper into the man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. But here's the thing. There's a flip side to that proverb. And the flip side is, now we don't want to take this too far, but we should be the kind of people who are able to go to one another and help them when they need it. Help them in discipline when they need it. Adam Jones is sitting right up here, and I know uh, beyond any doubt whatsoever that if I was doing something sinful and harmful, Adam would come to me and say, dude, knock it off. (laughs) You know what I mean? What you're doing is ungodly, and you need to repent and head this other direction. And I know that he would do it in a loving, kind way, and I hope that the Lord has given me enough understanding that it would get deep into me that I don't have to be told over and over and over again. Okay? So three Proverbs that point to our speech can bring life and wholeness. Does anybody want to comment on any of those or offer another one or add a thought? Adam's got the microphone and he looks like he's about to say something. I I was actually just uh, listening to John Piper today talk about a time when, did you hear it too? um, Back in like several years ago, this, he had rebuked someone who was living in sin and told this person straight up, like, if you continue in this path, you are going to hell. Um, And that was the first time someone had spoken that truth to this person and that they came to saving faith in Christ because of the rebuke that I'm sure wasn't fun (laughs) in that moment Mm -hmm. to be told, hey, you're headed to hell. But that's how, you know, and that's obviously kind of the extreme example too. But um, yeah, that person is now walking with the Lord. So Mm -hmm. praise God for that. Thanks, Adam. Yes, sir. Just when you were talking about uh, words, God speaks to us in words, it just kept coming to me that um, John tells us that the Word in the beginning was the Word, Mm -hmm. and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yes. And then go back further, and it tells us we're to take that Word and hide it in our hearts. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, it just kept talking to me, saying that you're talking about words, and Jesus is our words. Right. You know, and we hide those words in our hearts. And as we hide those words in our heart, what flows out of our mouth will yeah. be much improved. Yeah, I mean, the scriptures say that Jesus is the word made flesh. It's like the exact representation of God in his word made flesh. And so, like, I don't want to lose this. I'm going to say it over and over and over again as we talk about these things. What both of you guys just said keeps coming back to because God's word changes our hearts. Like, that's the thing. Like, the guy who was rebuked and it changed his life, it's because the Lord changed his heart. It's because the Lord changed his heart. Not because he just heard something and thought, oh, that's pretty good advice. I'll do that. Like, the Lord changed him. It was miraculous. So, Anyone else want to add something on that one? Because God's word changes our hearts, our speech can bring life and wholeness. All right, let's move on. Because God's word changes our hearts, our speech can be guarded with humility. Our speech can be guarded with humility. And I'm going to give you three Proverbs again. First one is Proverbs 11, 
13, and it says this, One who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, but one who is trustworthy conceals a matter. All right, let's read that again and kind of process in a moment. One who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, but one who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Okay, now, a little bit of explanation. When we hear that word slander or slanderer, I think that most of us probably connotate that word to be very malicious. It's a very like a malicious kind of hurtful kind of thing. But the interesting thing about this is that some translations of the Bible, remember we were talking about all these Bibles, different translations, some translations of the Bible take whatever that root word is, the Hebrew word, and they translate it to the word tailbearer. Tailbearer. And when you think about it that way, it all of a sudden becomes something that we are probably more often guilty of. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you think of this slandering, malicious kind of thing, many of us would say, that's not me. I don't do that. You know, not that we've never been guilty of it, but I don't typically do that. But if you think of it as a tailbearer, you know, like that, that feeling where you, you learn something and you have some information and it's just so fun to talk about it to someone else. Like you just get that reward of being the one to, to share the, the news. Now, I want to be careful. It says, one who is trustworthy conceals a matter. I don't want us to hear that and think that if we are aware of some kind of sin or some kind of abuse or something that we should, that the scriptures are guiding us to just hide it, to cover it over. That's not what this is saying. Those, those issues, when they happen, that are harmful should be addressed. And there's an appropriate way to address those things. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will help you know the difference between the things that need to be addressed right away and the things that don't. But what I think this proverb is telling us is to exercise self-control over sharing what maybe isn't ours to share. There, there's someone who I respect very much who often says, even when, even when they hear good news, you know, someone tells them something really good, they say, that's your news to share. That's your news to share. I don't need to share that and like get the fun of sharing it. You, you tell people, you know, and sometimes people will be like, no, tell everybody. I'm so excited. But, you know, it's just a, it's an exercise in self-control and it, and it's a practice in humility as well. Because remember, we're talking about speech that can be guarded with humility. Here's the next one. Proverbs 14.3. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect them. All right? In the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect them. So if, if the Lord has given us wisdom, if we've soaked in his word and he's changed our hearts, and we've become more wise, then we are, guard, we are guarding what we say to protect ourselves. To protect ourselves. Because if I asked you to raise your hand, if you really, really love being disciplined, I don't think that many of you would raise your hand. I think there are plenty of people in here who would recognize that discipline is a good thing. But that doesn't mean we, like, want it. You know, there's, like, <laughs> different. All right, how about one more? This one is, I love this one. Proverbs 18, 19. Remember, we're talking about speech that can be guarded with humility. A brother who is offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and quarrels are like the bars of a citadel. What word in that proverb is the, like, mouth word, the speaking word? Where's the speaking word in there? If you're at home, they're all staring at the wall, trying to figure it out. Like diagramming sentences when you were in eighth grade. Where's the speaking word? Quarrels, right? Quarrels are the things that we do with our mouth. So if we find ourselves in a situation, I'm sure this never happens to any of you, you find yourself in a situation of disagreement with someone else. What is the goal? What's the goal in that moment? Well, the goal, like, I think our brains are like human 
way that we are. Ooh, someone's texting in. Oh, Brian Wolf <laughs> in the back of the room. <laughs> um, I think our, our human nature is to like want to win, right? We're in, we're in disagreement and we want to win. But how do you define win? If we're trying to win the argument, if we're trying to win the disagreement, if we're trying to see, if we're trying to make the point that our, our perspective is the right one, and that's the most important thing that needs to happen right now is for you, person I disagree with, to know that I'm right, and you need to see it. If that's how we define win, then we are going to be wrestling with a brother that is harder to win than a strong city. All right? And we will be quarreling and dealing with bars like a citadel, all right? It's going to be impossible. It's going to be so difficult. But imagine if we redefine winning to winning our brother. Not winning the argument. Winning our brother or sister. Wouldn't that right away change? Like, Doesn't that change the implications of how you would speak? You know, there's a time for... I'm sure there's a time for speaking harshly. You know, Adam just gave us an example of that from John Piper. But a lot of times, if our, if our speech is seasoned with humility and gentleness, that we're going to have a much easier time winning our brother if we're not just trying to win the argument. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Um, James says something about this in chapter 1, and he's like pulling no punches when he says, when he deals with this. This is James 1, verse 19 and 26. We're kind of jumping a couple of verses in between. But it starts out like this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And then in verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious, religion is worthless. So imagine, imagine if we are in that situation with the disagreement and we do what James tells us to do. We are quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. It's going to change the outcome and the fruit of that conversation. All right, anybody have any feedback on our speech being guarded with humility? Yes, sir, way in the back. Can we get a microphone back there? Oh, Rodney Adams on it. This is John in the back, for those of you who can't see him. Talk about uh, sometimes we argue, especially about politics in today's uh, society. <clears throat> and I think uh, when I look at um, Proverbs 16, 21, and this is the true translation of the Bible, the New American Standard. <laughs> It says the well, sweetness. Can you, tell us, can you tell us the reference again? Proverbs okay. what? Chapter 16, verse 21. The 16, second, second 21. Half. It says the sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Sometimes when we argue, it becomes uh, just like you said in uh, verse uh, 18, 19. You offend the person. Mm -hmm. If you're going to try to persuade somebody... It's like the expression, you kill them with kindness. Mm -hmm. When you can persuade them with sweetness, I think that's going to have a lot more effect than just art arguing. Yeah, and I love that you use that saying because there are, he's handing you the mic back at him. Um, there are plenty of like sayings, little adages, whatever that we've, we all know because we've just heard them all our lives that aren't, you're not going to find them in the Bible. Like I have a couple here at the end of my notes that I'm going to get to, but they're really the same they're, they're like the same spirit as the Proverbs. They're the same, almost like uh, paraphrases. What you were just saying about uh, increasing the, the persuasiveness of speech with, with sweetness, it's, uh, what's the one? You, you catch, catch more, more flies, flies with honey than vinegar. Yeah, there you go. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. That, that's the same, it's the same proverb. Anyone else? Oh, man, if anybody, I mean, anyone who lived through the year 2020 knows that <laughs> arguments can disintegrate pretty fast, right? Yeah. And here's the thing. Again, 
I, I told you and I'm going to keep doing it. It keeps coming back to the condition of our heart. Because if we find ourselves in these difficult, divisive conversations, and we know from scriptures that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth is going to speak, then all the more we need to pursue the condition of our heart, not just strategies for speaking. Like the strategies for speaking, like the, the, the scripture that John pointed out in Proverbs 16, that's true and that's good. But it also happens to be the Word of God. So when we soak in that and it gets in and changes our heart, then it really will be an effective strategy of speaking because our heart has been changed first. Anybody else want to add to that? Yes, Rebecca. So a friend sent me something yesterday, to a video, and um, it was about, well, Ephesians 6 and um, the breastplate of righteousness. Mm. And so, um, you know, the breastplate is covering your heart. Um, it's a weapon for spiritual warfare. And whenever it's the righteousness, like you, you're protecting the center of your being, the, the most vital organ is your heart. And whenever we're talking about like, the heart in the Bible, it's, we're not talking about the organ, but you know, what plays in then to like our mind and then our heart how we treat people and so really guarding our heart putting on that breastplate of righteousness so that whatever passes you know through our heart it like it's being filtered through the righteousness of the lord his holiness is covering us rather than um uh, something that is about my being right or your being right mm -hmm. it's about what is the truth in god's eyes that's right All right, let's move on to the next category because I'm watching the clock and I told you I wasn't going to teach for an hour and 20 minutes, but it's looking like I might. All right, um, because God's word changes our hearts, third category is our speech can be honest. Our speech can be honest. Three Proverbs, Proverbs 12, 19, truthful lips will endure forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. And I think this one illustrates just that fundamental principle that we all hope for, that the Lord is coming back, that his word is true, he's coming back, and there's coming a day when everything is going to be gone, and what's going to remain? The truth. The only thing that's going to remain is God's word, the things that are true. And so when I see this proverb, you know, about speaking honestly, um, it just reminds me that truth endures, right? So let's, let's go on to the next one. Proverbs 28, 13. One who conceals his wrongdoings will not prosper. But one who confesses, and that's the speaking word, confesses, and abandons them will find compassion. All right, this is a call to us in two ways, a double call, right? So obviously there's the confessing. It's kind of right there in front of us. One who conceals his wrongdoing, that's, that's the lying, that's the hiding, the deceitfulness, uh, will not prosper. But one who confesses and abandons them will find compassion. That's kind of obvious. But the, the thing we got to hear in there, we got to see it, is that we have to be the kind of people who can hear those confessions and give compassion, Right? So we want, to be, we want to be the compassionate when people come to us so that people can come to us, you know, so that people can see this proverb and not fear, right? So that they can meet with compassion when they come. I, I was thinking about this today in relation to this proverb. There have been people in my life who have made huge mistakes that have affected me personally in big, big ways. But I have made big, big mistakes that have affected other people in very personal and profound ways because of my stupidity. So with that in mind, I think that's what we can kind of like see that. And, and I think that's probably true for all of us. And we can kind of wrap our minds around that and, and in humility be the kind of people who can 
offer compassion when someone comes and says, this is the mistake I've made. All right, and finally, Proverbs 12, 22. Uh, this one's pretty obvious. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully are his delight. Don't we want to be the Lord's delight? <laughs> I want to be the Lord's delight. Does anybody have any thoughts about the Lord changing our hearts so that we can speak honestly? Anybody? Anybody? I have one more thing I want to share with you on that, if, unless somebody else wants to. Okay, so Paul says in Ephesians 4, check this out, in, starting in verse 17, he says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, uh, to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner. So he's talking about you were something else, you're not that anymore, put that off, right? And in verse 25, he says, therefore, like he gets through all of this stuff, Put off that old person, and because of that, that's what the therefore is there for, because of that, what's the very first thing he says? Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. That's like the very first instruction that Paul gives to the Ephesians after saying, you're a new creation, stop acting like you're not. Here's how you do it. Speak the truth to each other. And as the Lord changes our hearts, we'll be able to do that. Okay. Fourth one. Because God's word changes our hearts, our speech can be righteous and gentle. The first one I'm going to give you of three is Proverbs 15.1. This is probably one of the most famous Proverbs ever. And if you've ever heard Mark Outrogi teach a message on anything, you've heard this proverb. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath. You're going to see that in this category, this is a lot like guarding our hearts or guarding our words uh, with humility. A soft answer turns away wrath. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar, right? How about this one? Proverbs 15.2. It's the very next verse. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. This is our speech can be righteous. Our speech can be righteous. The tongue of the wise commends. It, it celebrates knowledge. It celebrates truth. It honors righteousness. But the mouths of fools pour out folly. And I love that Solomon says, pour out. Because one of the things that you're going to see all the way through Proverbs, when they uh, kind of compare the wise man to the fool, is the foolish person just pours out stuff all the time. It's like always coming, right? And then the last one, uh, actually, let's do, let's do Proverbs twenty-five fifteen. Brian. This one's an interesting one. With patience, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded. I think that kind of goes in the category of our speech can be gentle. You know, it can be if we're going to be patient, we're going to be gentle in the way we speak. Uh, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue, excuse me, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Isn't that interesting? That patience and gentleness and soft answers that turn away wrath are really powerful. They're really powerful. As the Lord changes our hearts and we're able to exercise this gentleness in our speech, they become really powerful things. Let's, let's do the last group and then we'll ask for feedback because I don't want to keep you guys too long. This one's my favorite one. Because God's word changes our hearts, we can choose not to speak. One of the issues that you have to deal with, with speaking is that sometimes you shouldn't do it. 
right? Give me one second. Oh, let's go back to the last one because Brian Wolf texted in a, a comment. He says, speaking in righteousness and gentleness is not the default action of our sinful nature. That's true. It must be intentional. Being quick to listen and slow to speak can help us grow in this. Yep, totally agree, uh, Brian. So one of the issues of improving our speech as we soak in his word is knowing when not to speak, right? And I love this category because I love when we find humor in God's word. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of humor in these Proverbs when they tell us about not speaking, okay? So um, the first one, not particularly humorous, but true, is Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains, restrains his lips is prudent. The New American Standard says, when words are many, wrongdoing is unavoidable. Wrongdoing is unavoidable. So if you want to avoid wrongdoing, you should, we, we should, I don't want to say you because it's me too, we should probably not use many words. Okay, the more we talk, the more likely it is that we're going to screw something up. All right, how about this one? Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. There's that common theme, again, of kind of never stopping to think, just like being impulsive and words coming out of the mouth all the time. All right? Now, don't worry if you've been ever guilty of that, of like just speaking before you think. The next proverb is for you. Proverbs 30, verse 32. This is one of the ones that's funny. If you have been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you have been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. <laughs> is that great? I mean, like do something intentional. Just put your hand on your mouth and stop. All right? And then Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. All right, it cracks me up. All right, so we said, um, I mean, let me say this first. In this category of things, knowing when not to speak, I can't tell you the number of times in my life I have heard words come out of my mouth and then instantly wished I could pull them back in, all right? When I was, this is like a, just a funny example. Sometimes it's really hurtful. When I was 20-something years old in college, I was sitting having dinner with people who were twice my age, which means they were like as old as I am now. Um, and somehow we got talking about houses and different styles of houses. And now, at age 46, I don't care what style of house is. The house is a house, right? It's a place to live in. But for whatever reason, when I was 20-some years old, I felt it necessary to talk at length about a particular type of house that I really dislike. And I just couldn't imagine why anyone would ever want to live in this particular kind of house. They're so, like, just terrible and cheesy and all this stuff. Yap, 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 yap. And when I get done, they said... We live in that kind of house, <laughs> you know? And it was like, stop and think before you speak. It's just so embarrassing, right? Um, we mentioned earlier that there are sayings that are not in Proverbs, but are paraphrases of the Proverbs. Here are two that I found today. Just in closing, and then I want to let you guys share anything if you have anything. This is a great one. It would be better to leave people wondering why you didn't talk, then why you did. <laughs> Think about that. It would be better to leave people wondering why you didn't talk than why you did, which I probably shouldn't say right before I ask you for feedback and to pass the microphone around. And then this last one, this one is often attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but it's probably not, he probably didn't coin it. And even if he did, it's like almost an exact paraphrase of another proverb. He says, it's better to remain silent and to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. 
just as a reminder as we close, the issue when we're looking at the Proverbs, not just about speech, but in all of the ways of wisdom that Proverbs offers. When we are looking at those things, they are not just good advice or self-help tips or whatever, ways to improve this area or that area. They're God's word. And if those things are going to, to become something that bears fruit in our lives, then our heart must be changed. It has to start in our heart. So my encouragement to you would be, if you're a, if you're a person who wants to improve in any of these areas, to, who struggles in any of these areas, to approach this with humility, going to God's Word, reading it over and over again, meditating on it, and asking the Lord to change your heart so that you bear fruit in these ways. Does that make sense? Awesome. Anybody have anything they would like to share? Yeah, Melissa Jones. Um, I can have a very horrible case of foot and mouth uh, disease as well and also um, just with my children when things are chaotic and I'm losing my temper um, God revealed a verse to me that had just never popped out to me before about a month ago that ended up on our kitchen whiteboard and it's Psalm 41 verse 3 set a guard O Lord over my mouth keep watch over the door of my lips and so that's been really helpful for our family yeah I think we could all pray that. Anybody in anybody who's ever been around children, period, <laughs> uh, knows that it can be easy to, to lose your patience sometimes. So what was it, Psalm 41.3? Yep. Anybody else? Yes, Rachel. Get Rachel a mic. <laughs> One of my favorite illustrations going off of something you were saying is someone gave a child a paper plate and a tube of toothpaste, and they told the child to um, like squeeze out all of the toothpaste, and the child did, and then they told them to put the toothpaste back in, and oh. the child couldn't do that. Um, <laughs> none of us can, and they equated that to our words, and like you were saying, like we can't take back our words, and so... I've had arguments with friends where, like, we've both said very hurtful things, and there's forgiveness, and there's reconciliation, and it's a beautiful thing, but I still remember some things that were said to me, and I'm sure they still remember things that were said to them, too. So I always just remember that illustration of, like, we can't take back what we've said. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about phrases that we've known all our lives, whether they're in the Bible or not, and one you've all heard is, sticks and stones may break my bones— but words will never hurt me, and that is totally untrue. There is no paraphrase of that in Proverbs that you're going to find because it is a lie. Nothing hurts, I think, more than words. So, Yeah, Michelle. Well, we need people at home to be able to hear you. I'm probably going to get emotional. So, um, you know, okay, we can really destroy someone with the things we say and hurt people that we love. And I just got off the phone with someone that I love very much. And, you know, I'm a little rough around the edges for a lot of you that know me. And I sometimes don't know how to deliver things properly. And my delivery with something hurt them very much. And it wasn't the first time or the second time. And they told me about it, and I love this person with all my heart. And I told them that I hadn't been here for the first one. I haven't been able to make it to church on Sundays for a while because of my job. And I said, boy, I must have been meant to be here tonight because it's on speech and what we say. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. 
and they told me how my delivery hurt them. So, this was quite a message for me this evening. And I know that I need to mind my words and be more disciplined and self-controlled with my mouth and not be so impulsive. That's 100% true. But where does that start? That starts, that starts with prayer. God's word prayer. in your heart, changing your heart. Yes. And then that will be the natural overflow. That change right. that you're hoping is, for will come out of the abundance of right. your heart. And this has been something that has been on my heart for a while. And I said to myself a little bit ago that I wanted to read through the Proverbs again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm like 95. I live next to the Joneses, and they see me up and down the street 5,000 times a day <laughs> taking care of the lady that I take care of. It's one of my jobs, and I'm just constantly on the go. And I just haven't had time, but I listen to a lot of things. And I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to read through these problems Good. again. And Good. make this a goal, because now my life has slowed down. Good. And thank God I was able to make it. Thank you to the Joneses that I got here tonight. And Melissa <laughs> came back and got me. We're glad you're here, Michelle. Anybody else have anything else before we wrap up? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, mm-hmm. my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't we pray? And then we'll uh, be dismissed. And then you guys, after we dismiss, you're welcome to hang around. That It's about 8.22 or so. Um, they're still going strong out there. You can hang around, or if you need to go, it's totally okay. All right? Lord Jesus, we are thankful for your word. We're so thankful that your word is true and it is enduring and it is able to change us because, Lord, we need to be changed. Father, we ask that you would help each one of us in in the way that we speak, help our speech to be gentle and righteous and truthful and just laced with humility. Lord, help us to exercise self-control to know when to just not speak at all. And Lord, we recognize that if any of that is to happen, we need change in our heart. So Lord, we ask by your Holy Spirit that you would change us, make us different, give us ears to hear your word and understand it as we meditate on it so that our hearts would be truly different, not just different practices, not just different things on our to-do list, but that we would be actual different people than we were before we arrived tonight. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name, knowing that you do this to people all the time. And so we ask with confidence, knowing that you're faithful, and we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful evening, and feel free to hang out as long as you want.